This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to UBS Global Research Pod Hub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name is Natalie Cade, head of UBS China 360. And in this episode, we're going to be taking a look at a wide range of themes pertinent to understanding Asia's rapidly evolving landscape. From globalization to automation, innovation and consumption, UBS is at the forefront, bringing investors valuable insights. Through our Q series, UBS analysts have explored the potential of Chinese outbound financial investment, the implications of tech export restrictions and reshoring, autonomous driving, and how it could be accelerated by smart infrastructure. Leveraging insights from the ground up, our China 360 team has explored how domestic robot makers are set to gain market share along with advances in technology, how Livestream is reshaping the mainstream, and where the opportunities lie in China's lower-tier cities. With China's global policy easing and the border reopening, everyone is wondering what 2023 has in store for the region. I'm joined by Kelvin Chu, Nicholas Godois, Paul Gong, Robin Xu, Mei Yen, Ken Liu, and Tim Bush, who will give a small bite-sized summary of their key thematic insights. Hi, this is Kelvin Chu. In November last year, we published a Q-series report on China outbound financial investments. Our Oasis scenario suggests potential relevant AUM of 1.7 trillion US dollar by 2030, implying a 18% CAGR from now. Three highlights in the report. First, we believe China's pension reform will accelerate market institutionalization, which should increase the overall appetite for offshore asset allocation. Second, we see plenty of room for further expansion of Connect program. Enhanced market infrastructure will enable easier offshore market access by Chinese investors. Third, China reopening and GBA initiatives should also support financial product connectivity. We believe Hong Kong will play an important role in this theme. In our UBS Evidence Lab survey, 72% of respondents preferred to have overseas equity as part of their asset allocation. 80% of them selected Stock Connect as their preferred channel. On insurance, among the respondents who are interested in overseas insurance, 67% plans to come to Hong Kong within a year after the border reopens. We believe Hong Kong insurers are among the beneficiaries of the China outbound investment theme. Asset managers with strong Hong Kong presence should also benefit. Hi, this is Nick Godoy, UBS APAC Tech Strategist. Over the past few years, the technology industry, in particular semiconductors, have been the center of more assertive government policies, such as Made in China 2025, the CHIPS Act, or the U.S. Export Control. This leads us to address a key question, not just for the tech supply chain, but also for the global economy. Could all of those measures threaten the globalization of tech? The answer, we believe, is no. But a certain degree of decoupling is unavoidable. Reshoring measures for the semiconductor industries make up for big numbers. And yet, our analysis indicate that even with this, Taiwan remained by 2026 the largest global cluster with 24% of global semiconductor manufacturing capacity, 
followed by South Korea at 21%, China 17%, and the US still only 10% despite all of those investments. US exports control are already quite stringent and will make it very challenging for China to scale up leading edge semis manufacturing capabilities over time. Semis manufacturing equipment is the key here and China players are growing, but they do not cover by a margin all key process requirements. Further restrictions regarding air chipsets are also possible. And the China policies regarding semiconductors will also evolve over time with multiple opportunities still available in training edge foundry and assembly and test as well as fabless ICs. In hardware assembly, diversification out of China will continue but probably only to a point. Hi everyone, I'm Paul Gong, Head of China Auto Research at UBS. Uh, we have recently published the Q-series on China Autonomous Driving Initiative. This seems to be a long-term theme, and uh, many investors have uh, much of the skepticism whether or not China could eventually take a leadership on that. Two or three years ago, we had the skepticism whether China could lead on the EV revolution, but today it has become more and more clear that that is the case. For the autonomous driving, this could be even more meaningful than the EVs. It could create up to 100 billion level US dollars market cap, either through the robotaxi operation or through the ADAS functions as optional package or even as some, something else. Um, we believe the ecosystem of the China autonomous driving is a little bit different. It involves more uh, hardware. China's autonomous driving typically uses a LiDAR as an actual sensor, as well as a high definition map as an actual information gathering. So that could make the cars kind of enable the capability requires earlier than otherwise it's going to be pretty tough. And that is also to enable the government regulation to approve it ahead of the time. Um, that is also based on the assumption that China is perhaps the first country that could make the hardware cheap enough into the mass scale uh, manufacturing. So we believe this different approach creates some um, supply chain opportunities for this uh, theme. Um, secondly is currently there are two approaches. One is through the robotaxi operation in some limited geographic areas and then gradually expand the geographic coverage. The other one is to put every mass market, um, every volume produced cars with a basic function then gradually add into the functionality into more and more complicated tasks it could do. Um, now the graduate uh, approach seems to be more likely to succeed. We believe the volume production, the deployment into the car, this is probably more important than say uh, very advanced technology but with very limited applications. Hi, this is Robin Xu, UBS Head of Asia Industrials. Autonomous driving has been tagged as a technology-driven revolution with the focus globally on intelligent vehicles. However, we see a different approach in China with smart infrastructure accelerating autonomous driving development. This is what is called Vehicle Infrastructure Cooperation, or in short, VIC. VIC leverages on sensors installed on the roadside to extend the detecting range for intelligent vehicles. With China's proven track record on infrastructure buildup and government support, VIC may help China to potentially lead the autonomous driving development globally. 
We estimate a total market size of renminbi 2 trillion during 2022 and 2040 for VIC investments, covering roadside equipment including roadside units, lighters, high-definition cameras, millimeter wave radars. This benefits equipment makers as well as smart infrastructure service providers. We also look into cost-saving potentials for VIC autonomous driving, as we expect actual labor cost saving to amount to renminbi 1.8 trillion, assuming no more truck drivers. This will make China's logistic system more efficient and drive cost savings for various industries, including express delivery, ports, construction, and manufacturing. Hi, this is Mei Yan, um, head of Greater China Financials Equity Research at UDX. The green finance business is rapidly expanding amid China's green economic transformation. In our base case, we expect green loans to evolve into a 62 trillion RMB market by 2031 for an average 10-year growth rate of 15%. And we also expect green bonds to evolve into a 8 trillion RMB market by 2031 with an average 10-year growth rate of 22%. The green credit business could become a major revenue driver for banks, with a potential revenue pool of 1.4 trillion in 2031. This is equivalent to 15% of banking system total revenue. Based on our, our, our assessment, we expect green lending to generate an ROE of 16%, an ROA of 1.3%, which are much higher than general corporate banking business return. The higher margin is mainly boosted by lower credit cost currently. Under such scheme, China banks will be the key beneficiaries. The downside uh, for green business could be lower loan yield and deteriorating asset quality, uh, which may hurt uh, profit margin. The big four SOE banks will likely continue to dominate the market given their large asset size and national service roles. Hi, this is Ken Liu. I cover the China energy transition space with companies in the utilities and new energy space. So we put out an APAC-focused report uh, looking at where are the investment opportunities in the China energy transition theme. So there are three points I want to share. The first one is uh, we think the overall energy transition space can still deliver around 30% earnings care growth in the next three years' time across different subsectors. And this 30% CAGR growth is higher than consensus forecast by around 8%. So we think um, the upside are still not yet factored in. The second point that I want to share is the investment universe. So in this report, we map out all the relevant value chains across different subsectors. How are they related? And how the carbon reduction footprint can drive different investment opportunities within this value chain. So we also list out all the relevant companies um, so that this report will provide you a comprehensive understanding of where different companies are provided and where their investment opportunities are within the investment space. And the third point to share is the 2023 outlook. We prefer the companies with volume and margin expansion story Hi, this is Tim Bush. 
In our most recent Q-series, we tore down the lithium iron phosphate battery. Um, we add these lithium iron phosphate batteries to our portfolio of nickel teardown cells that we've been tearing down since 2018. Uh, key conclusions from the teardown are one, uh, we expect iron battery to gain much greater share than we previously anticipated. We expect iron batteries to have a 40% share globally to the end of the decade. Uh, our reason for this view is we now believe that iron batteries have a much greater addressable market. They're capable of delivering 500 kilometer of range in medium-sized vehicles. Uh, our second conclusion based on analyzing the metals that go into these batteries is that nickel price is the key deciding factor in relative competitiveness between the two chemistries. If nickel price is below $20 a kilo, then nickel batteries could win on cost. At spot prices today, iron batteries win on cost. In terms of lithium, uh, we find identical lithium loading in the two chemistries and uh, see the relative cost competitiveness as being lithium price agnostic. Uh, for further insights, please see our in-depth report. Thank you for visiting the UBS Research Pod Hub. That was an introduction and overview of the trending themes across Asia and what to look out for in 2023. Tune in again for more investment insights. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation, nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content and has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regular or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2023. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.